You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. gone on to be with the Lord, and uh, the one of his chapters that he wrote, it touched my heart, it was titled A Message to Garcia, and in 1899, there was an article that was written in the newspaper by a gentleman about, uh, about a conflict that was going on between the United States and Spain over Cuba, and the only way to resolve this conflict was to find a gentleman by the name of Garcia who was of influential power in Cuba, but nobody knew where he was. And so somebody for the United States Army said, well, give the letter that needs to be delivered to him to Rowan. If anybody can find him, he can. Now, this gentleman had never been to Cuba before, and he had certainly never met Garcia but no questions were asked. He was handed the letter. They dropped him off on the beaches of Cuba. And off he went into the jungles to go and find this gentleman by the name of Garcia. And just a few days later, he submerged from, from there, having successfully completed his mission. And the, he, he brought about in this article that if, if there were individuals that would just say, Instead of saying, that's not my job or that's not my calling, that would just go about doing it, how much different things would come about. And it was such a powerful letter that was written, and it went on to be translated into many different languages, and how we have it today written down. And I will say this about it. This was one line that I that I highlighted out of this chapter. He said, if I were to be stripped of all of my accomplishments, of all of my characteristics, save for one, I would say, give me a burden. Because a burden will find a way when nothing else can. And so this morning, I'm going to direct your attention to Isaiah chapter 6. This is a very distinct calling that Isaiah has on his life. And this is a distinct point that we can look in the prophet Isaiah's life and see that there has been a, a significant change in the direction that, that he is going. In uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, which twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts 
Then one flew of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And so for a few moments here this morning, I'm going to be speaking on this topic, Here am I, send me. If you want to lay your Bibles down right now, we're going to lift up our hands and begin to worship the name of the Lord together. God, we are so thankful for your word here once again this morning. God, we thank you, Jesus, for the depths that it takes us into in a relationship with you. God, I pray here this morning that, Lord, in each and every heart, in each and every life, God, all those that are here in person and watching and listening online, God, I pray, Lord, would hear your word, Jesus, would be challenged and changed by it. Lord, work through your servant here today. God, we ask that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. One of the greatest needs of our day is to find spirit-filled men and women who are willing to stand before God in prayer and from their heart speak the words Isaiah spoke in verse 8, Here am I, send me. Not just to speak them mindlessly out of a heart bent on pleasing self, but to live in such closeness and fellowship with God that we're unable to hold the words back. It just comes pouring out of us, out of adoration for the King. That living God and serving God and being pleasing to God means so much to us that asking God to use us to accomplish His will just comes natural to us. Have you ever wondered about the circumstances surrounding Isaiah when he wrote down these words that we find in Isaiah chapter 6? Where this vision was taking place that made Isaiah so eager to have God commission him. Isaiah, he pretty much runs the gamut of emotions in these 13 verses that we read here this morning from the start of Isaiah chapter 6. The chapter, it begins with Isaiah in awe at what he sees in this vision. And then he becomes filled with fear at the realization that he had no business being where he was. Only to turn around in the next few verses and cry out for God to commission him and send him out to Israel. What brought Isaiah here and what made him so willing to go? Perhaps if we can gain an understanding of where Isaiah came from, we can better understand why he was so willing to go. And in understanding what made Isaiah so zealous for God, maybe we can gain a better understanding of just where it is you and I are this morning. Isaiah, he was the son of Amos. He lived in Jerusalem and was married and had two sons. He spent his early years in, as an official of King Uzziah. Isaiah, he prophesied underneath multiple reigns of kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And in this time, he called for repentance without success and consequently had to announce judgment and banishment. Isaiah, he had been around royalty all of his life. He is credited with having written books on the lives of kings Uzziah and Hezekiah. We can see reference to these in Second Chronicles, but unfortunately both of these books were destroyed. Unger's Bible Dictionary says that both biographies have been lost together with the history of Judah and Israel that he wrote. He also obviously wrote the one book in the Bible which bears his name. 
Isaiah, he was a writer and is celebrated as being the greatest writer in the Old Testament. In fact, some refer to him as the Paul of the Old Testament. And that's just a brief timeline on the beginnings of Isaiah, but enough to allow us a glimpse into Isaiah's life just to see that he had a mind for the things of God. And there was a willing heart and an open mind, and he received this vision from God. King Uzziah, he died right around 740 B.C. 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verses 4 to 5, it tells us, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This is talking about King Uzziah. According to all that his father Amaziah had done, he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Uzziah was a good king. And his death signaled the end of a good era in the history of Israel. It was turning a page, if you will. But because for as good as Uzziah's reign was, he would eventually be replaced by his grandson Ahaz, who was wicked and vile against God. Here at the death of a good king's reign, God summons a prophet. It just so happens that God gives Isaiah this vision, calls him out just at this change in the time of Judah. But notice how Isaiah was called. The very year that Isaiah's king dies, God gives Isaiah a vision to see the Lord sitting on a throne in the temple. God himself is Lord over all. He is the king of kings, and he sits on the throne. And there Isaiah, he begins to describe the sights and the sounds that he sees from this vision that he witnessed that day. He says that the Lord sat on a throne that was high and lifted up, and that the train of his robe filled the temple. Can you just imagine that with me here this morning? A long flowing train was a symbol of dignity. Is it amazing how God uses images and symbols that were common in Isaiah's day just to get through to Isaiah? God didn't reveal himself to Isaiah in a way that Isaiah would have a hard time understanding. He knew when he saw that long flowing train that he was in the presence of dignity. And then he begins to try and describe the seraphim, the angels. He said in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2 to 4, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. What a scene. What a vision Isaiah has received. Strong's commentary says that the word seraphim means to burn with fire. And fire, we know from Scripture, refers to a refining process, a symbol for purity. Notice that the angels formed two choirs. One was on the left-hand side of the throne and one was on the right. The first group of angels would cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the others, the second chorus, would resound back, Yes, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And as they would cry out and praise to God, Isaiah says that the very posts of the door would shake and the house was filled with smoke. 
They are in the presence of the Almighty and they love to sing His praise. This is why our music is so vital to our service. It's not just some ritual that we go through. Okay, we're going to come in. Brother Robertson's going to get up and he's going to make a couple of announcements. He's going to pray. We're going to start the service with some songs. Then we're going to go into preaching. And then we're going to go home and have something to eat. Or maybe we'll go and eat at a restaurant somewhere. It's not some sort form of formality. It is vital to our service. We can't come before God bearing our own good works, though. We can't stand before God on our own merits. We come and we use the talents and the abilities that God has gifted us to promote how great thou art. God is a jealous God, and God is a God who inhabits praise. And so when we begin to praise through song and through worship today, the presence of God is ushered into this place, and we can sense His glory around us. Amen. There's something phenomenal that happens in the spiritual realm when we begin to shout and sing His praises. Isaiah, he goes on to write about his experience, and he says in verse 5, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell, I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. No doubt Isaiah had to have been standing there with his knees shaking, listening to the angels sing in chorus one to another. Each time they sing, the door shook. And there, God sitting on the throne with his long train in the throne room. Isaiah had to have been thinking to himself, well, that's it. I'm, I, 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 must have, I must be in heaven. The Apostle John, he describes Jesus in the book of Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me, a loud voice as of a trumpet. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His hair and head were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. The similarities to Isaiah's vision is amazing. We can see this. He says in verse 17, John says, And when I saw him, I fell down. I fell down at his feet. Those words that jumps off the page to us. John, when describing himself in his gospel, called himself the one whom Jesus loved. If I was going to write a book about Jesus, that's probably how I would want to portray myself. The disciple whom Jesus loved. I don't know what that says about the rest of the disciples, but that's how John refers to himself. He doesn't use his own name. He refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. You see, it was John who was closest to Jesus during the Last Supper. And yet, for all of the wonderful words spoken by Christ while John was near him, nothing, nothing affected him more than when John saw the glorified Lord on the Isle of Patmos. 
how we choose to live our life is going to play a great part in how we come before God. John, he had lived out his entire adult life in service to Christ, giving himself fully to the cause of Christ. He had gone through torture and banishment all in the name of the Lord. And yet when he came face to face with his Savior, he fell down at his feet. A life of complete surrender. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord, available for your purpose. We turn our story back to Isaiah, who had been raised around religion and religious people all of his life. He knew the sights and sounds of what things were supposed to be like. And in this vision, it took him back so much that he had the same reaction when he was taken by vision into the temple and seeing a throne and the one sitting on the throne having a long flowing train and seeing the angels in course and hearing their song and listening to the doors shake, Isaiah automatically knew within himself that he had no business being where he was. And so he just naturally assumed that he was about to die. In the words of King David, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Who am I? Who am I? Seeing Isaiah in this condition, one of the angels takes a live coal off the altar and touches the coal to his lips while speaking these words. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. That coal originally came from the altar of sacrifice or the altar of burnt offerings, a fire which God... Be began when God ignited the flame from heaven. Notice that when the coal touched Isaiah's lips, his iniquity was taken away. His sin was purged. Isaiah had his own personal day of atonement with the Lord. The words taken away allude to the practice of symbolically placing one's sins upon the head of the scapegoat. And then the scapegoat would be driven away into the wilderness. When that coal touched Isaiah's lips, his sins were taken away. But the seraphim doesn't stop there. He goes on and uses the word purged. This word purged, it means covered. It's the same word that we also translate into atonement. When the angel of the Lord said, your sin is purged, he was referring to the process of killing an animal and sprinkling its blood on the altar of atonement. You see, that coal from off the altar prepared Isaiah to do the work of God. He had an encounter with God that transformed him. And so it is that before you and I could ever hope to begin a ministry for the Lord, that we must also have our own personal day of atonement. There must be a time in our lives where our iniquity is taken away. Our sins have been removed. There is no other way for us to be available for God to work through. We have no other hope than that which is found in Christ Jesus. Isaiah, he realized that he was a man of unclean lips who dwelt in the midst of people of unclean lips. And so this is the first step that Isaiah takes. He recognizes his own inabilities. Isaiah was willing to confess his faults and recognize his shortcomings. And in plain words, Isaiah was saying, I'm in serious trouble because not only do I not belong here, but I am completely unworthy to have even received this vision. See, if you and I want to work for God, if you and I want to 
be a part of the work that's going on in God and have him work in us and see hearts and lives changed by his mercy and grace, then you must first be willing to recognize the fact of your own unworthiness. In and of ourselves, we are nothing. In and of ourselves, we can do nothing, but it's only when we realize and confess that in our weakness, he is made strong. It's only in our confession to God that without him, we are nothing, that we can begin to be something in God. When God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, begins talking to us, don't allow the cares of this world to shut him out. When God begins speaking to us during the service this morning and we feel the Spirit leading us to go to the altar and pray, don't, don't allow the fact that somebody might be watching you stand on the way. Nothing is more important than getting to Jesus. If we want to be taken into the divine presence of God, then we must first be willing to confess our sins and realize our own shortcomings. And that's how Isaiah received this vision to begin with, displaying a deep concern for the future of Israel and minding the things of God. The second thing that we see Isaiah do here and have done is that he has his iniquity taken away and his sins purged, like I've mentioned. Once it becomes real to us that we're not all that we think we are and that we stand in need of God, then God does what we cannot do for ourselves. Only it isn't going to be a coal from off the altar that cleanses us. It will be the precious blood of Christ. We sang about it here this morning. Oh, the blood. Cleansing blood. Just as the scapegoat had the sins of the nation of Israel placed on his back, Jesus Christ took upon himself the sins of the world. There upon the cross, he became the ultimate sacrifice for sin. And by his blood, we are able to find complete and total forgiveness from our sin. Christ gave his life to make an atonement for us. So when you and I come to that point in our lives when we are aware of our need for God and we call out to him, he is able to remove our iniquity and purge our sins away. But realize that we must first see the need and then call out to him. Realize your need for Christ this morning and then call out to him. He has already bought and paid for the forgiveness that we so desperately need. And thirdly, Isaiah encounters in this vision, he recognizes a willingness to do whatever it is that God needs him to do. He makes himself available. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8, he says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Having his iniquity taken away and his sins purged, Isaiah then hears God ask the question that has stirred so many hearts today. Whom shall I send and who will go? Isaiah responded to the call. Isaiah looked up to the throne and said, Here am I, send me. Lord, here we are. Empower us for your service. Use us how you desire. What stronghold of Satan could not be torn down or removed? What hindrance could not be worked out if only the battle cry of each person was, Here am I, Lord. Send me. We are saved to serve. And what Jesus Christ did on Calvary carries far greater rewards than anything that we could ever buy on earth. We are not afforded the time to invest ourselves finding reasons why we can't serve God. Now, just in case you think that Isaiah agreed to some cushy assignment on a sun-filled shoreline, listen to what God says right after Isaiah agrees to go. 
verses 9 and 10, and he said, Go and tell this, this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and their eyes shut, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Notice that the call Isaiah agrees to fulfill is completely opposite that of the majestic throne room in which he was standing. He's just been given the responsibility to go and preach salvation to a nation of people that would refuse to hear about it. I don't know of anything more aggravating to someone who longs to see souls saved than to know that the people that they've been called to preach salvation to refuse to listen. Here's Isaiah standing here in this grand throne room vision. Angels flying around, singing out the praises of God. The doorposts shaking at their song. This long flowing train coming from the throne while smoke fills the room. And in the midst of all this power and glory, Isaiah, purified and refined and prepared for ministry, okay, I'm ready to go. I've pulled up my bootstraps, I'm ready. What do you have for me? What's my assignment? Isaiah must have been excited about getting to work for God, and then he hears that question, who will go? With the joy of the Lord in his heart, Isaiah shouts out, hey, here I am, send me. God says, okay, I want you to go back to Israel and preach your heart out, but I'm warning you right now that they won't listen. That realization hits Isaiah, because we read in the next verse, this question that he has in verse 11, Lord, how long? How long will they not listen? Isaiah is all gung-ho and ready to speak the word of the Lord, and then God rewards his obedience with a mission impossible. And so the first thing Isaiah says is, how long will this be, Lord? I imagine that we would have the same question. Isaiah discovers what God wants you and I to discover today, that service for the king isn't about glam and it isn't about fame. That you and I will be expected to get down onto the everyday level where real people live and that may just entail pouring out your heart to people who have no intention whatsoever of listening to a word that you speak. But you and I will be willing to go. If for no other reason than for the fact that Jesus took my sin away. And if Christ was willing to endure the cross for me, then I'm willing to give my life in service to Him, no matter where that may be, no matter how long that will be for, no matter whether people He leads me to speak to ever listen. Here I am. Send me. And so in response to Isaiah's question, God replies, he says, and he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, the houses are without a man, the land is utterly destroyed. Does that sound like the perfect job to you? First, God informs Isaiah that he was sending him to a people who wouldn't listen. And then when Isaiah asks how long this is going to go on for, God says, until the people I'm sending you to are utterly destroyed. How's that for a calling? How's that for a commission? And yet no, nowhere in this word will you, will you read where Isaiah refused the call. Nowhere will you read that he decided, okay, 
thank you for the vision, God, but that's not for me. Well, what's the point, Lord? I'm not going. He didn't say, give me some time to think about it, God. I tell you what, let me pray about it and I'll get back to you. That's not my job. That's not my calling. All Isaiah knew was that God had called him and God had commissioned him. So off Isaiah went to face the nation of Israel underneath the power of God. What is it this morning that God is calling you to do? Come on now. Be honest with yourself and with God. Maybe God has been speaking to your heart about something. Maybe God has been talking to you. How many times have you felt God leading you to do something and you've been trying to push those thoughts and feelings aside using the excuse, well, God could never call someone like me. Maybe if I just don't talk to God, He won't talk to me. God will not call you without first equipping you. If I can have the music come back at this time. Isaiah was called after King Uzziah died. And not long after his death, Rome was born. So, was Isaiah truly given a mission impossible? No. We could all stand. Isaiah had a ministry that spanned over 40 years of preaching to the nation of Israel. And because of his willingness to obey and his willingness to go, God allowed him to hear the words of verse 13 that we see in this chapter. So the holy seed shall be its stump. Oh, what does that mean? Well, after all his years of preaching, there would be an outpouring of God's mercy on the remnant of Israel that remained. That remained faithful to God. And from this small group of people from Israel's stump... From this remnant, God would produce a holy seed, which would ultimately bring forth the branch known as Jesus Christ the Lord. Those of you who are sitting here this morning who've been telling yourself all of your past efforts to reach someone have been in vain, look at the life and ministry of Isaiah. All of you sitting here this morning who've allowed Satan to convince you that you're just not worthy enough to serve God, look at the life and ministry of Isaiah. Those of you who've refused, who've refused to heed the call because you just can't find the time, look at the life and ministry of Isaiah. And realize that we serve a mighty God, a God who is far more capable of equipping and sending then we give him credit for. Or maybe you're here this morning and you have been out there working and you have been out there speaking the words of Christ and it just seems like all of your efforts have come up empty. Look at the life and ministry of Isaiah. Maybe he didn't see it come to pass in his time, but because he continued to preach the word of God to the nation of Israel, we see a small group of people live on and stay faithful, remain to God. And out of this small grouping of people, we see the Messiah come. Israel left a legacy of obedience to God. And this morning, the call goes out afresh. God is looking for those who would make themselves available to His call. Are you willing to leave 
the success of the mission in his hands and just make yourselves available. If for no other reason than the mere fact that Jesus died to save your sin, to save your soul. Are you willing to say this morning, here am I, send me. No matter how long it takes, no matter where it is, no matter who I'm speaking to, Lord, I just want you to use me for your purpose, Lord, for your kingdom. I'm available for your will. God, not my will. Yours be done. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.